Hey, Anna. Hi, Sam. How much fun was Jack Johnson? He was amazing. And it was so, it was amazing to see him perform live, like right in front of us in your intimate space. I mean, I already adored him as an artist, but it really gives you a whole new thrill. And I, what an honor, right? He's playing to, music in front of us. I know. And he's su- such a humble, intelligent, lovely so person. Cool. Such a cool It makes guy. me rethink all my theories that I have what about. What do you mean? You know, like my theories about musicians that are so obnoxious. And like the two musicians that I know are both incredible people. We're talking about Josh. Yeah. Mondo Cosmo. Yeah. And Jack. He was incredible. He, was, he is he is amazing. So you guys are in for a treat. Just a really really cool, impressive guy. It was an honor. I know. I'm I'm so excited for everyone to listen to that episode. And now enjoy Jack Johnson. volume opening your headset yeah, yeah. perfect All right. oh podcast virgin yes <laughs> this is a really good guest are you sure we have a really good guest yes here. we do is this have we started or is this still sure prep? we started we oh, yeah started. we're started we're in oh yeah how did, yeah does it feel good so far wait oh yes that's better isn't it <laughs> now that i can hear my own voice um, Jack, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a beautiful home. So I want to ask you, before we get into all the other like baloney that we do, what is the thrill of um, performing in front of like thousands of people? Oh, it's fun. I mean, I get mixed emotions about it. You know, sometimes it's freaked me out a lot of times, but it's a real, I mean, when it's words you've written and it's words that you believe and it's... Um, Especially when there's songs about love uh, and then to have everybody singing. I mean, it's similar to church, you know, it, it feels like it. I mean, whether it's my songs or somebody else's, just when people sing together, even that feeling when you do it on the front porch or like in a living room and people all sing together, it's just a great feeling. And so it's kind of a magnified version of that, you know, but with that comes the distortion of, um, I don't know, you're singing to people that you don't necessarily know and everything. So it's uh, sometimes being in front of that many people night after night can be strange for me. But I, I enjoy the part of us all singing together. I love it. Do you, um, what's the feeling right before you go out on stage? It just depends. Like last, we played last night and um, our band didn't need, like we were looking at the set list and we'd kind of rehearsed like four of the 20 songs and we hadn't played together for about a month, which we were all discussing. Like that's, that's okay. We kind of all had a little bit of the muscle memory left, but we definitely were all expecting to hit a bunch of wrong chords and we didn't really, we did pretty good last night. But so feeling like that is a little bit nerve wracking because you just, you know, you're about to go up there and kind of uh, have a few moments where you're going to make an ass of yourself. And then in the middle of a tour, it's pretty fun once you once your muscle memory is all there and the words and everything, because then you can kind of stretch out on the song. Do you get into like a little bit of a delirium like uh, or maybe like a mind numbing? I'm only imagining. You know, it's funny. I don't know whether to feel guilty or good about this, but one thing that we've our band we're all like best of friends in the band the uh, the piano player and i met when we were 18 years old 
went to college together. We started kind of trying to write songs together when we were in college. And um, the other guys I've known since 1998, maybe now, 1998. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Adam. And, and so, yes, yeah, so we've all known each other for a really long time. And um, and we we talk about a lot of things, almost like we play psychiatrists for each other, because it is a trip to be in front of that many people and, and to do this whole thing. And so one thing we've realized is like we don't feel that different. I feel almost bad that I don't get uh, into sort of that trance you might be talking about. Before we go on stage, usually we're just kind of hanging out with friends that are at that show. And then all of a sudden our friend Scott Cad, who has the tough job of getting us to leave the little jam room that we have set up because it's so much fun and we got you know, cooler in there and you got all the things you'd want to have a fun party. And then it's, um, we're in there having, and then he's always like, you guys got five minutes and everybody agrees we got five minutes. And then five minutes passes and nobody's made a move for the stage. And then he has to come and he's like, come on, you guys, he's like, should be on stage already. And we love him. We're not trying to disrespect him, but it's like really hard to get each person in the band to all agree. It's time to go. Like somebody goes to the bathroom. <laughs> and so anyways, like my point is, is like, we don't so really get like in that trance. Reluctance almost is it like, like a subconscious no. reluctance. I don't know. I think I, I don't know. This kind of stuff's funny too. It's like seeing a psychiatrist because this is the first time you're forced to think about these things. But I think a lot of times, like the whole thing about playing music for me is being in a garage or somebody's living room and being able to just jam. And we kind of have that set up right off of the back of the stage where we have this little room that's got keyboards and a bass amp, a guitar amp, extra guitars. We got a drum set. And every day the crew is cool enough to set that thing up for us so that. We don't really have to sound check in every town because that can kind of be a drag. You got to get there early to do the sound check. So instead, we just have this little jam room. We show up and we can play for an hour before we go on stage and kind of what songs we want to do tonight, how we want to connect them and those kind of things. And then that jam room is like funnest place. So you don't really want to leave that thing sometimes. Well, your music is really intimate in general. Like uh, it, it does feel like you are a part of a family when you listen to your music. Do you, will you tell us about maybe a couple of your favorite songs and why you love them or love playing them or, um, oh, sure. of my own, you mean, or other yeah. people's? Um, yeah, there's a song better together. We were kind of talking about that song yeah. earlier before yeah, we did this. And, um, it's thanks. one of my favorites. Too. Oh, right on. Thanks. That's one of those ones where, um, no matter what, that one always feels really good to play. Like if I'm at a, um, you know, somewhere like this, or if I'm at, um, at a radio station or, if I'm in somebody's living room, if I'm if we're in front of a lot of people, there's other songs where it's kind of um, they feel really good when I got the whole band with me, or they like feel like what? Will you tell us? Um, like there's a song called "Good People" that yeah. we have, and it's really fun to kind of like rock that one a little more. Now that we're a rock band, but it's that one's more fun to play with the whole band, and uh, and it doesn't work in every setting because it's a little cynical. Whereas like a song that's full of love, you know, and it's just that's its only intention is to put love out into the world. Those songs are always easy to play, and then other ones that are a little biting and you write it when you're in a certain mood, then it's like there's certain settings that feel right to play those. And it doesn't always feel right. You know, like Thanksgiving, if somebody's like, play that song, good people, it's kind of like, you sure? Doesn't seem like the right time, you know. But anyways, um, that one I like a lot better together. It's an intimate song. It's funny, too, because like you said, it's, I wrote it for one person. I mean, all the songs, when I write them, I always try to have one person in my mind. Whoever the person was that conversation began, and then with the love songs, they're always about my wife. I've been together with the same girl since I was 18. And so she's got a lot of songs written to her. And uh, so when I write it, she's the only one on my mind. And there's a lot of them I've written that I haven't put out to the world. But usually, I think there's some truth in that song, obviously, that translates. But it's, I also decide by the time I put it on the record, it's general enough that other people could hopefully apply them to their own life. I'm hoping they're not always thinking of me and my wife when they hear the love songs. So, Jack, <laughs> so you have been married for for an incredibly rich amount of time and 
you've made this work. Will you give like some, I don't know, insight to like how uh, you do that, especially sure. being a rock star? It's a struggle. As anybody knows, it's been a long time relationship. You know, it's like it takes a lot of work. And um, I don't know. We've just always, we were best friends. Um, how far back do I go and how, wait, how into it do I go? And what drew you to her? We were just really good friends first. I mean, I was always trying to be her boyfriend, but for a long time, she was just thinking of me as a friend. And oh, so. Oh, you were in the friend zone. I was in the friend zone. And it was cool. And, and, um, and it worked, though, because. I had to eventually accept like, okay, we're just going to be friends. And I'd still liked her and I still liked hanging out with her because she was, she was way cooler than me. She kind of had all this, she turned me on. I have this one song, maybe I'll play it a little later or something, but it's, um, the love songs usually start kind of like just me trying to make her laugh around the house. And I was making this new one. It's, it's basically every line is about how she was always like a little cooler. Like when we first met, she was already reading beat poetry, like out of, High school, she'd already That's finished. That's pretty the, hot. That's and like, pretty to hot. me, like college was kind of the time that I got into like Jack Kerouac and the whole beat poetry thing. And and um, and she had already kind of gone through it all in high school. And then she, her music taste was already stuff like the Pixies and stuff, you know. And freshman year of yes, college. Yeah, I yes, you have a lyric and uh, yeah, yeah, song? yeah, yeah. Those, I love that. Yeah, called love song number sixteen. Yes, I love that. Yeah. And so, anyway, she was kind of. Um, even when I first started trying to write songs, she was the one that would be there and we'd be doing homework in the dorm room or something, and then she would. Either, like, if I caught her attention and she turned around, then I knew it was a kind of a good lyric, you know, and if she told me, she was, she was never harsh, she was never like, that line's no good, but I could tell, like, if it didn't get her attention, then I would kind of move on and try something else. So you, like, res you re always respected her opinion, like, in her, yeah, essentially, definitely. in her intelligence. Yeah, I, love I think as long really as you romantic. kind of, um, as long as you assume your wife is always right, then you'll be fine <laughs> through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. It, I'm just kidding. She's really sweet. But um, it, I don't know. Somehow it worked for us. But it's, you know, it's a trick. I've seen, you know, anybody. I'm 42, so I've seen a lot of friends that it hasn't worked. And, you know, it's, it's and I've thought like, oh, it's a perfect relationship. How did that not work? So I don't have any tricks or anything. Oh, but. fuck. I'm so, yeah. <laughs> I, I just have to grumble here at this moment. Oh. And then there's probably going to be some weird clickbait. Like, <laughs> on a grumbles. Anna Grumble's talking to Jack Johnson. Uh, <laughs> After Jack Johnson talks about how great his relationship I know, is. I Anna Grumble's. Sorry, I didn't mean to make this about me. What is a clickbait? <laughs> oh, it's like on, like, you know, just like, uh, Sam, how would you describe okay, a clickbait? A clickbait is, it's pretty much you're baiting people to click on an article by, uh. by, uh, um, giving them a headline that is misleading. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I've seen those for sure. Right. When you actually click on the article and you actually read the article, I mean, none of it's true. The headlines yeah, yeah. Or it's like, this is yeah, okay, kind of gotcha. disappointing because right. it's not as exactly. interesting as... Okay. Um, I shouldn't know. That makes perfect sense with both <laughs> those words, click and bait. <laughs> I get it. Um, all right. So uh, will you tell us a little bit more about your, like, your favorite song to perform and yeah sure uh, well i mean that would be one of them better together but then it's pretty mellow i mean it's fun there's another one we got um can i tell you which one i love yeah sure sure that's, um, that's easy this is the one where, I, where I was, we were talking earlier about how when i was making a movie i tried to get one of your songs uh -huh. but i couldn't afford it we couldn't afford it come on it couldn't have been that much was it? bubble toes it was uh -huh. really expensive <laughs> come on it was like you were asking a lot of money i probably because i didn't want anybody to use it <laughs> i mean that was a funny song for me because you know a song like that is i never expected that to be on a record i wrote that 
and I never even finished it. The chorus wasn't supposed to be la da 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 da. I love that. That's it my was just part. like <laughs> it was just filler. Like a lot of times, I fill in syllables with like whatever, just some uh, you know la da 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 da. And then eventually, I write it. And that was funny because I just I used to make these little four track recordings, and I liked the way it felt and stuff. And I played the song and I just recorded it like that. And then I'd have friends be like, "Oh, that's my favorite one," you know, and. and I'd always be like, really? That's the only one that took like five minutes to write. All the other ones I struggled for weeks. Don't you like those more? And they'd be like, no, that's the only good one. And then, so, yeah. So then next thing I knew, I was in the studio and I remember still thinking like, oh, I'll finish it while I'm in there. It was the first record I ever got to make. And it, we only went in the studio for six days. I didn't really know what it was going to be like. And we were trying to do, I, found, I figured that was kind of like how people made records. But now I know that people spend a lot more time than that. We had to do like two songs in, for each day. And anyways, all of a sudden the record was over and it was, that was the chorus. And so that song was always funny for me. And it's, I mean, I love playing that song live actually now because the whole crowd just sings it and it's, um, people. Oh, so that would be considered a crowd favorite, that song? I mean, yeah, definitely. It's like kind of, we use that song for once and you know, you gotta be careful when you shape a a set because if you put that song and then you play a bunch of slow ballads after that, everybody's going to sit back down. But for us, if we're playing a theater, and we almost prefer when people sit, if we're playing the quiet, mellow songs in the oh, beginning. It's yeah. kind of nice because people can just relax. I know it's nice to sit down. But then at some point, you kind of want to make the crowd dance. And that's the song we'll use to get it going. Right. But then you got to kind of shape it where the rest of the songs, you at least got to give them something they can kind of groove to. And so, but that one's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Will that's, you tell us a little bit clickbait. about yeah. your, uh, <laughs> will you tell us a little bit about like your early influences and how you developed a passion towards music? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's funny, like a lot of the things that really were influential on me, they, most people probably don't hear my music. There was a band called uh, Minor Threat, uh, and then they, Ian MacKay was the singer for Minor Threat, uh, DC-based band, punk band. And then later they went on to, uh, he made this band, Fugazi. And so Fugazi, I was driving to school one day, and I had just been learning how to play guitar. Wait, it, will you give us a good visual? Sure. You're in Oahu. Yeah, I had this truck that had a... Oh my God, I love this. It was a rusty blue oh truck. Oh my God. <laughs> and yeah, a, what color? It was blue, and right, had, but right. it was almost brown from all the rest. And it had yeah. this hole, like, it was almost like Fred Flintstone style, where if you wanted to, you could put your feet through the hole and you could just run against I'm the I'm imagining, road. like, it crusted with, like, red mud from. Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, okay. That, the, I mean, this is just my visual. If okay. I four by four in here and there. But no, okay. but it was like, it, you could see the, the road going by. It definitely wasn't legal. It had this hole that was right, right between, beneath my feet. And um, yeah, so I, we called a truck named Blue. Every name's their first cars, I think. And uh, so it was, we were driving around this one corner, I can remember where I was uh, heading to the school I went to. Um, and then, yeah, I just remember the song coming on the radio, it was called uh, Waiting Room by Fugazi. And it's got the bass line. And it stops for this like super awkward amount of time where you think like, oh, does the song just end? And then it's like, and it came back in and the way the guitar was driving and everything. I just remember thinking like, I cannot wait to get home right now and learn how to play a song. I just gotten to the point where I could kind of like figure out how to learn songs, you know, like from hearing it and then just by ear. I've been playing for maybe a year at that point and it was like easy bar chords. That's it, only for a year at that point. Yeah, I was probably, I started when I was 14. Like, I learned a few bar chords. I mean, a couple of, you know, like the basic chords uh, for like Cat Stevens songs and Jimmy Buffett and Bob Marley and all that kind of stuff. My, my dad's friend taught me how to play like all these sing along songs. Um, the kind of songs you could play and you wouldn't have to sing because everybody else in the room would do it for you, like Brown Eyed Girl or uh, Father and Son. And, 
And then I learned how to play Metallica. That song, uh, One, was like really big oh, on the radio. Wow. And a lot of people I remember that learned at that time, like that was one of the first songs you learn how to play because it was so big and it was like it started with these two notes. Boom, 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 boom. I would love to see a Jack Johnson concert where you cover One. Yeah. That would be amazing. The beginning's easy and then it gets hard as hell like right after that, you know, like once they really start jamming. But yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I've been playing for a year. I heard that Fugazi song and that made me just want to go home and start a band basically me and my friend were kind of we'd play together a little bit like one of us would play the rhythm and the other guy would try to do your scales and stuff and then that was a point where we were like okay we need to get a drummer and stuff and then so we got these two other guys uh they were all we were all playing guitar but basically my friend that was the newest to guitar we were like hey you're the drummer because we're better than you at guitar and so he became the drummer and uh we started this band called limber chicken and it was stony dogfish at first and then it became limber chicken and then um we did all minor threat covers. We were basically a minor threat cover band. Um, it was funny because it was like four 16-year-old kids playing punk rock but wearing slippers and shorts. And it was like very much not a punk scene where we lived, you know. It was uh, growing up in Hawaii on the North Shore. It was not very punk at all. But we loved that music and it was, we just practiced in the garage all the time. And that was kind of like the first, one of the first songs that really inspired me to, as far as playing music. And then Jimi Hendrix. I got this one um, Electric Ladyland record, and it had just that's my favorite album of all time still. And I had it on cassette. You remember those yellow uh, Sony Walkmans that when it got to oh, the yeah. end, it would flip over. Yeah. Yep. And I had that on a camping trip, and I used to just wear the batteries out because I'd put on my headphones at night, and I'd go to sleep. And then at some point in the night, I'd either wake up and it'd be four in the morning, and I would finally turn it off, or I'd just wake up in the morning and the batteries were dead. And so that song, morning of other. Or that album, I think, probably slipped into my subconscious more than any other record because I slept to it a lot when we go camping. My dad always take me on camping trips, and that was a waterproof. It was like water-resistant Walkman. You remember the yellow ones had like oh, yeah. a seal? Oh, yeah, totally. Yep. And so I was so excited because I could take it on these boat trips my dad used to take me on. Were your parents supportive of your music? Yeah, always. Always really supportive. Um, my mom would always tell me my voice sounded good even when it didn't, you know, in the beginning. I mean, I definitely didn't have like a natural, I wasn't like, I would just sing out, I just, I had like a restrictor, I'd just whisper when I'd sing, and she'd always say, it sounds good, but sing wait, louder. Wait, wait, what does that mean? I don't know. Or what. just meaning like I couldn't project it all. I'd uh, be like, yeah. um, you know, if I tried to play a song, I just, I sounded more like this, kind of singing like a little small voice. And then um, she'd always say, project more, you know, like try to sing out if you can. And she was the only person I could sing to at first. And then... Um, my dad was cool. He would be more honest and stuff, but he would always say, yeah, I like it. Sounds good. Even when we were just kind of making noise in the bedroom. And then they got me a guitar. They weren't like overly crazy, which I think was good. I just had one guitar, an acoustic guitar for a long time. And then I, then I, with my own money from doing, like I was, I worked at this job. I got a job dishwashing and then I got promoted up to the pizza maker and I get tips and stuff. And then, so I got, I bought an electric guitar from my friend that had uh, a broken knob like that was stuck and everything, so it was 50 bucks for this Ibanez electric guitar. So I just had those two guitars for a really long time. But it, it's like, as long as you have one guitar, you're set, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
So cool. Are they so proud now, your parents? My parents? Yeah, definitely. They're really cool. My mom was with us. She comes on the road a lot with us. Oh, that's amazing. It's fun. So I have this really obnoxious theory mm-hmm. that women shouldn't date musicians. Right. Good call. I don't know. <laughs> I, no, it's not because it only comes from a place of like me loving musicians. But it comes also from the place of like when you're faced with a sea of people that adore you how does an ego sort of manage that? But I have to give you a compliment. You are fucking amazing. Like I, I, um, we've only like known each (laughs) other for like, no, 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 I know. And this this is what I'm saying though. You're like, you, um, like have an internalness. It's, it's really incredible as a performer who's hugely successful. I appreciate it. So I, I so you, appreciate you. You nailed it on the head, though. The uh, the word adore is the perfect word to use because I think what happens for a lot of entertainers is you can misinterpret the adoration for love, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, um, I mean, I blame it or not blame it. Blame sounds negative. I, I give credit to my wife for one. I mean, I've been with her since we were 18. So like I didn't even learn how to write a song until I was with her and she kind of, then she became my tour manager. She would come on the road and she would set up the little merch booth. We'd drive around in a van, you know, and she would like, she would take care of my guest list for me. She could see I was horrible at remembering to put friends on the list. And so she kind of took over, became my manager and tour manager. And then my friend Emmett, who's hanging out in the room here, him and I were making surf movies. And then he was there when I got the first call from this, um, this big time producer that had heard a little four track recording. And, uh, and I pretended like I had a manager. It was like George Costanza from Seinfeld almost, where like they, at the end of the conversation when they'd called and they told me who they were and they wanted me to come to a meeting. And I was like, wait, what? And then I said, at the very end, they said, do you want us to tell your manager or will you tell your manager? And I was like, I'll tell my manager. And I said it and then I was like, wait. And then I hung up. I didn't have a manager really, you know? And I was like, Emma, you gotta come pretend like you're my manager. We were just, he was, we were making surf movies together. And so anyways, my wife and Emmett have managed my whole career and my long, answer to your short question is just sort of um i've been around friends and then just had the same people who've done like sound for us for the same guys that still do it now or the same guys that played did it when we were in like half empty clubs you know so i don't know it's like i've had this little uh crew it's not i don't have any yes people around me like people tell me when i suck that night you know i mean i have friends that are doing the sound they'll be like man you've chowdered it tonight or whatever and then I think that all helps, you know, and so like you see these people that come to the show and I appreciate them. I don't mean to like uh, make it smaller. It's like a really amazing thing you share with with the people coming to the shows. I really appreciate it. And especially like the early days where you're just like going out there and hoping people are going to show up. And when they actually when you feel like a little club, that's like the biggest step is when you actually fill clubs. And then but you don't know any of them. Like the truth is, is they come and they give you energy and you're giving them energy back and all that. But you don't really know them well. So like the only people who can really love you are the people who know you, like every side of you. And so I think I was lucky to be given some advice early on. It's like, don't misinterpret that adoration that comes from the audience as love. You know? Oh my God, that's crazy. Will you like, <laughs> no, no, because I, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Don't misinterpret the adoration as love. Yeah, you know, who told me, it's Jackson Brown actually was the one who told me that because... I've known him since I was a kid and it was really weird. I didn't know many famous people, but he's a body surfer and um, he used to be friends with my friend Mark Cunningham, or he still is. He's And Mark Cunningham's kind of like the Michael Jordan of body surfing. He's like, and body surfing is basically when you surf but without a surfboard, you know, it's like a fish person. And they, they're like a dolphin. This guy, he can, he'd be amazed if you see the footage. He's, he can ride a wave and it's just, um, there's nothing there. It's just him. 
besides like a pair of fins on you know to propel yourself into the wave and so anyways jackson brown is one of those and so he kind of started seeing like real early on i don't even know if he remembers giving me that advice but he told me that and um he kind of saw uh, that it was just beginning for me, and he was the one that sort of mentioned something like that. And at first, it didn't even make sense to me because I didn't really have any adoring fans yet. I was just like, I, I don't know, why are you even telling me this? But it kind of always stuck with me after he told me that. I had a similar piece of advice. Well, it's not similar, but I don't know why it's... Well, maybe because, I don't know, now I need to talk, I guess. But um, early on, Keenan Ivory Wayans in Scary Movie told me that there's no vanity in comedy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I feel like those two ideas are linked. Yeah, I think so. But for me, it felt like, okay, I have to, like... Complete honesty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I have to um, put myself out there and yeah. maybe hope that I get loved and then try to regulate how much I hope for that love. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're you know? trying... Yeah, it's interesting when you're in a situation where you're trying to grow what you're doing... And it's, um, yeah, I've always kind of struggled with that. There was, and I had good people around me early on that, you know, when I would be, these, every one of those steps that would come where it was kind of like the step you'd take to make your album bigger or something the first time around. And then being really reluctant. Um, you know, it's something actually has joked about at Universal Records, um, which we've always been Republic Records and our Universal, right? They're all together. But uh, so they, uh, I get confused, but the um, the guys that run that they were really surprised because we got this like early opportunity where all of a sudden our music ended up like I had all these friends. This is like when the album was at first only a, it was a one shop in Santa Barbara and one down in San Diego that had it even, and then it kind of got picked up um, and it grew. So coming from a place where like we weren't really used to it being anywhere besides a music store, and it's hard to imagine now because you got iTunes and all this. But our first record was pre iTunes. It was like you buy CDs and it was always in stores. And then there was this day where I started getting all these people calling me and saying, hey, your CD is in Starbucks. And I remember being like, wait, what? That's so fucking cool. Well, but we called and we told them, take them all out of Starbucks. <laughs> we were like so, we were mortified. I don't know. It just seemed really weird to me, like this idea that like, wait, it's not at a music store. It's like in a Starbucks, a coffee shop. Like, I don't know. It, it's like such Why a- Why was it there? It was yeah. like a compilation? It was the beginning of this idea that, you know, you could sell music in other places than music oh, stores. Okay. It seems weird to even think about now. It was like- there's barely even music stores anymore, so it's like kind of for sale everywhere else besides music stores. But this was like, and I, I mean, looking back now, it seems like such a dumb call, and it like that we pulled them all out, you know. But now it's like the kind of places you're hoping you can get into and all that stuff. But it's um, sometimes you're trying to grow it, and other times you're like, wait, slow it down. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. Like, and also it's like because um, I grew up in Seattle or north of Seattle, where there's a big like don't be a sellout culture. Yeah, yeah. And. So, yeah, so I felt like when I was so happy to have some success in, in Hollywood, but at the same time, I, I felt like every time I went back home, it was like, oh, yeah, you're selling out. And it was like, I, I am by doing, like, these comedies. Like, I, I'm, I'm a sellout to my peers back home. And not that I don't mean to, like, sort of... Like equate the two. No, but you, you can. But um, something everybody struggles with, I'm sure. That yeah, goes through this and, but it's also like, well, of course, like I, I want to, I want to make a little cash, and I'd like to be able to continue to live in LA, and do what I love. And sure, I'm playing fucking idiots, and we'll continue to play. Sorry, I went into my own little tunnel, <laughs> tunnel of darkness. All right, before we get on to the next piece of business what um 
Is there another job that you would do? Yeah, lots. I mean, lots of them. I, the job before this one, actually, it was, it was uh, the best job you could have. I was making surf films. I was the cameraman uh, for a surf film. So I was basically getting to travel the world and hang out with my friends and, and, uh, and shoot surfing and be on these really cool boat trips to destinations that were so remote, you know? And, um, so when the first opportunity came up, that was anything besides just a hobby of like recording my music and giving it to friends. Um, Ben Harper was the first one who invited me on tour and it was way before I was ready. I'd barely played any live shows. Even I, me and my friend Adam, who's the drummer in the band still, we were like the acoustic white stripes. We would just, it was him on the drums and me on the acoustic guitar. And we'd play little clubs around here. And then Emmett, his whole family would come. And then the people at the bar would think like, wow, you got a fan base. And it was really just all the Malloys were there. They got like a huge family around here. And so it was, um, I wasn't even ready. Like I'd barely done enough shows. And all of a sudden I was on tour with Ben Harper. And um, I kind of thought that was going to so be. so fucking rad. It was amazing. And I was such a mega fan. And so it was so fun every night to come out and be like, I was the best warm-up band you could ever be for him because I was such a huge fan and I've really connected with those crowds. I could see the look on a kid's faces, you know, just in the front row and everything. And I was like, I'm with you guys. Like, I am so excited to be here. Oh, I'm going to so be fucking cool. out there partying with you in a minute. And it's like, I know you just want to hear Bim, but just sit through. My friend has a really funny skit about it. Uh, my friend, John Craigie, he's a really good songwriter. And he has this funny skit where he's like, the opening band is a hard slot because it's like the only genre is music where you get the opening band. He's like, you don't have to sit, you know, like when you lay in your bed to read uh, like a Steinbeck book, some other guy doesn't shove a, another book real quick. Hey, just read this first. This is like, it's this guy, John Craigie, and he's not as good as Steinbeck, but just check this out first, you know, or like the Mona Lisa's joke is like, you go to see the Mona Lisa, somebody doesn't get their sketch pad out and be like, here, here, check this out first. This is my sketch pad. And it's, you'd feel that when you do the opening slot, you know, it's like, but anyways, I was so excited to be there. And we were lucky because I was so influenced by Ben and my music was so influenced by him. Um, both like the sonic quality and the lyrics and everything. So I think, you know, we were lucky because we resonated with his fan base and that was our first fan base was, he really gave us that, uh, that beginning. Um, but anyways, I didn't ever imagine it would go beyond that tour for me. I was like, I'll tell my kids about this someday and all that stuff. And then I'll go back to making surf films. I'm giving really long answers because your question, I'm just remembering was well, about, but, is there another job? My job know, before this ruled. But what's interesting about what your answer was is that you're like being a performer and an observer at the same time, mm -hmm. which is an interesting quality um, because a lot of performers mostly are narcissists. I'm sure I'm a little like, bit that too. <laughs> well, I'm pointing to myself <laughs> proudly. Um, but, but being an observer and a filmmaker too, that's, that's another really interesting quality. It must inform a lot of your artistry, I would think. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a great experience. And so much of like my songwriting was through the eyes of um, like film school and all that stuff. When I was first trying to write songs, I was at UC Santa Barbara and I was at film school. And so like all the history I was learning was through film history, you know, because so much of... Um, of the art would reflect the time, you know, the, the time in different countries. Like if it was uh, like the French New Wave movement in France, um, you know, all those actors and like checking out their style and stuff was like how I wanted to, my songs to feel, like the way I saw those movies. So it was cool to like try to translate things from visual to audio. And um, yeah, so all those things could definitely influence. And I got a chance, to, me and Emmett used to make music videos 
for all these artists. I got to meet all these great musicians before I ever had a career or the beginning of one even. And um, I get to see it from that side. Just like you're pointing out, I'd just be like the second unit camera. Nobody knew who I was. And I'd be getting to hang out with Dave Grohl. And, you know, we'd make a music video with him. And I'd watch him all day. And then Emmett was so sweet. He'd like always give people my little four track uh, tapes. He'd, you know, super unprofessional. Just be like, here, check this out. This is that guy over there behind Hell the Hell yeah. Behind that's the Bullocks. a good fucking friend. Yeah, that's right. No, he always Fuck was. yeah. And so, um, and as I met Dave Grohl years later. Uh, we were at the Bridge School Benefit. And, and I told him, because he's like, oh, it's nice to meet you when we first met. And I was like, actually, we met years ago um, on this video shoot. And he was like, was I an asshole? And I was like, no, opposite. Because he's so sweet. He went home. Next day on the second day of the shoot, he came back and he was like, man. He like sat me down. He's like, those are good songs. And he totally gave me time to like talk about which ones he kind of liked. He actually oh. listened to it. you know. And he was. Oh. Like, I told him, you're the opposite. You're like the coolest guy in the world back then. And so he's like, okay, good. Could have gone either way, you know? <laughs> But he's a cool guy. Isn't that the that's 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 pretty amazing. But getting to observe it first, you know, like seeing it yeah. all. Um, and even with the films, like I used to travel with all my friends this in the surf world, and it was really comfortable to be on that side of the lens for a long time, and um, and get to make things that I wasn't in front of it. Yeah, it trips me out sometimes too, like to have that perspective, and then we'll be on shoots, right? And then I feel like the full narcissist because like I've been the guy who's holding the reflector and all that, you know, plenty of times on like commercials and stuff. And so I'll always be like telling the guy, hey, you got to angle it a little bit this way. Like, and don't get you that wanna... light on me. <laughs> I just like, I know exactly what it feels like to like be trying to figure out where's the reflection. But isn't it that like that, that weird thing of like wanting to hide and wanting to be exposed at the same time? Yeah. Um, it is a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I, 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 uh, I take comfort a bit in like hiding behind words or hair or costume or you know character yeah it's a and, character. The, the, and that's why the podcast has been such a um such a relief for me yeah, sure. in a way because it feels yourself. like yeah, yeah yeah and um yeah that must be interesting because for me like uh, you know i've never done any real acting just like on a music video just joking around or something but and i always think that because you feel like when you um sometimes like i saw the first time i saw woody harrelson i felt like i was walking by and i hit his shoulder as we walked by on the street and i was like hey and I thought it was an old college friend. And then I realized, like, oh, shit, that's Woody Harrelson. And I was like, sorry. And we kept walking. But it's like you feel like you know people, but they're playing roles. You know, you kind of feel like, oh, I know that person's like, because you know their characters, but it must be strange in your it, position it, to play yeah. roles and then to think that people are judging you about those roles. Oh, yeah. Oh, completely. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that, um, but, but it's also an easy place to hide. Yeah. It's like a persona. Yeah. Do you feel that way? when you're performing ever like that you're perf like performing as a rock star uh, because get because truly getting to know you now during this podcast um i feel like you're much more intimate than i would have expected right, and yeah, i hope yeah, that sure. that doesn't no um, that's cool thanks it's better than the other way around, I think. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I was no, thinking about you're, it for a minute. you're fucking amazing. Oh, um thanks. no, you got to stop saying that though I'm right here. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, no, you know, it's really interesting is like, I feel like I'm lucky that my persona on stage lines up pretty well with who I really am. But it is interesting to watch a caricature of yourself get built. You know, um, when an article does come out about me, it's like, it's always that my lyrics or my music's breezy and whimsical. And he's the mellow, you know, mellow, mellow, this mellow, that it's like always the word mellow in there. And I'm pretty pretty mellow guy but like you meet most of my friends back home they laugh at it they're like you're like the most competitive guy i know i it's like, love that <laughs> when we play croquet or like you know around the yard or something or like 
We play ping pong. It's like, I want to win so bad. And like, dude, I'm, I'm I always get fucking so, quirky. Yeah. Or I get like, um, oh God, what are the adjectives that I get? It's it's like, yeah, like a little quirky, yeah. like like along the lines of whimsical. Right. And I get so fucking mad because I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand my darkness. Yeah. I'm fucking dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bitches. You gotta bring it. Well, Salvador Dali said, you don't you don't read your press, you just weigh it. You know, and sometimes I figure that's probably a good thing. To um, a certain degree, I don't know. You don't can't weigh it anymore. Though it's on the internet. Now. <laughs> That's true. Hey Jack, how do you feel about um, pretend imagining that you're single and um, doing a couple of tests? I feel okay about it. You do? Okay. I think so. I mean, right. from that description, <laughs> the segment we have called Deal Breakers. So right. Anna's going to read some deal breakers, and you're going to let me know if you're if you were single. Right? Would this be a deal breaker? Okay. Okay. Oh, I don't think we should do, uh, number one. I don't know. Skip okay. number one then. Skip, if you well, let me see, let me see. Hold on. Oh no. You know what? We'll yeah. yeah. Okay. No, let's, do it. She, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. Let's do it. Okay. She ate pizza that was left out on the counter from the night before. Uh, that's a positive thing. I agree. I mean, like, uh, you mean that would definitely not break the deal, and that would only great be like, like that'd make me it. like her more. Yeah. Yeah. She would dip it in like maybe some. Not ranch, afraid. Ranch not afraid. She's bold. Yeah, I don't know about the ranch if it sat out all night. Then I would think like maybe she's not the smartest person, but I guess cheese. I don't know. Dude, pizza, she loves though, life. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, number two. Definitely not. I wouldn't deal break. All right, I like that. Uh, she says, "I love you." Mm, say it one more time. I love you. <laughs> Be a I love you. No. Wait, wait, wait. You know what? I could do a better delivery on that. Jack, I love you. <laughs> oh, she would have like, uh, what's that called when it crackles a little bit? It's called um, vocal fry, right? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> the more vocal fry you put on it, the more I would be a deal breaker. I love you. <laughs> the, the W in place that of the That was pretty good. I was pretty good in vocal. I'm yeah. sorry, Jack. I'm no. Now I'm praising myself. <laughs> The first two ways you said it, they weren't deal breakers, and now it's breaking the deal. I love you. (laughs) I know. It's that, yeah, I'm annoying myself at this point, but that's very hard to do. Uh. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, She has bad body odor, but she also has no idea that she has bad body odor. It just depends. I mean, odor is such a, that's very vague. So it's, I read an article. describing myself right now. I read an article recently that says, like, a lot of our attraction is actually based on aroma more than we realize. And that, like, you bait, you sometimes uh, you put it on other reasons, but no, it could be good. Like, if you like no, somebody's I can't strong really aroma, hear that. yeah. And it's like you sometimes get pushed away, and it's like you don't even realize it uh, in your conscious mind, but it's actually their smell that you can't stand, and you you start like uh, putting other reasons in your mind, but it's the smell. Because you know, smell is an interesting one. Like when I smell things, sometimes or taste, they're kind of tied together. That brings you back to certain memories. You can't really remember where you were or anything, but it's a certain feeling. Oh yeah, I mean, but what about um, what about so sound? So I wouldn't break the deal. Oh, are we moving on to sound? Well, no, no, no. Okay. But but just like thinking about like because we all we always assume that it's all about the aesthetic, right? Like the looks right. when we're attracted to our mate. But I think you're on to something yeah, about the vocal like, fry, for instance. Yeah, but about like sound. Yeah. And and smell. I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah, sight gets the front row seat, but it's true. It's um. All those other ones, maybe in the long term are more important. In the important, long term, you know? right? The, yeah, the, the first reaction is a lot of time off of look for sure. So wait, how, where did we land? The smell, on? no, I mean, I'd say definitely wouldn't, wouldn't be a deal breaker. 
I like it. Depending on, you know, depending on the actual odor. If it was strong and nice, that's cool. It's a little musty, but, <laughs> but like, but like sexy musty. Well, I here's think. the thing is I got, I hit my, my, my head really hard. I broke my nose when I was young. And so like my, I have a deviated septum. So my sense of smell is not so bad. So in reality, it probably would not be a deal breaker. My wife always tells me like, you don't smell that right now. And she'll look at me and I'll be like, no. And she's like, you honestly do not smell that. And she almost gets mad at me that I can't smell things. Cause like my sense of smell is almost not that. I have a really bad sense of smell too. Well, there and- you go. So that one's not a deal breaker for me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> okay, um, she works with her ex. Yeah, deal breaker. For I me. like I, it. I'm that insecure, I guess. All right. I mean, in general, you know, each of these have to be kind of a case by case. You just have to see, like, if you really dug the ex or something. Like, I don't if know. Cool, we didn't. I don't we know. didn't create a backstory, but I don't know. In general, like, even yeah, you if don't. He's even... really cool. It doesn't almost make it worse. Like, I, I know I would feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm just gonna go deal breaker. Keep it easy. Great. That seems like it. She tells you that you remind her of her brother. She tells you you remind her of her brother. I mean, I don't think that's a deal breaker if she tells you once, but it's like if she tells you like every day or something. <laughs> They this is so cool. You so remind me of my brother. <laughs> With that voice, though, that's kind of <laughs> awful. <laughs> oh. Jack, no, this is crazy. You so remind me of my brother. But, like, you're sexy. Do, you do you want me to make that a deal breaker? <laughs> I don't think that's a deal breaker. No? I'm a family guy, you know? It's like, I think that's a good thing. She probably loves her brother a lot. And it's like, you remember we were I talking earlier, the friendship brother. thing first. If she's, like, best friends with her brother. I love my brother so much. Yeah. We had a bunk bed. That's why I get turned on by bunk beds. That's why you what? I get turned on by bunk beds. And because we shared a bunk bed. Yeah, that's a deal breaker for me. Next. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> she has an awful singing voice, but thinks it's awesome. No, that's true. I don't want to wait. For our lives to be over. Yeah, that's not, I want to know. That's not a deal breaker. That's not? No, that's cute. Oh, you're a good man. <laughs> did you like what I just did? Yeah, did you that sign was great. me to your label? Yeah, guaranteed. Every time. Oh my God, I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> I got plan B already worked out. Give, um, I'll give you Emmett's email right after this. So, all right, so that's the last question. So, what we can do now is, Jack, if you want to play a song, Sure. Off your new album? That sure. would be amazing. Great. And after that, we can take a, a quick break, set up the calls, and then do the calls, and maybe end with one more song. 
Great. How does that sound? That sounds great. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. It's okay to put it in. So Jack's new album is All the Light Above It Too, and it's featuring the hit single My Mind is for Sale, and it's currently out. And he's also on tour until December 8th, right? You're going to be in Virginia, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, and Australia. Is that correct, yeah, Emmett? South America. And South America. And um, while you're finding a pick... Let's talk about the uh, Johnson Ohana Foundation, which is a nonprofit public charity founded in 2008 by Jack and Kim Johnson to promote positive and lasting change within communities by supporting organizations that focus on environment, art, and music education. That's so incredible, by the way. A lot of times that feels like that's been my career. I mean, the music is it's so much fun, and I love it, and it's, um, you know, sometimes I don't like to call it a career in a way because it's, I feel like. It's just too much fun. And then the, you know, the working doing the nonprofit um, organizations has been really rewarding. It's a lot of work too, but it's it's kind of um, after we've been doing this for as long as we have, we've built a lot of relationships with different nonprofit groups around the United States and worldwide, even that we work with every time we come through town. And it's kind of what tour it, it makes touring make sense for us. You know, there's like a moment there where it grew to this point where you look out back and there's trucks and buses and. Your crew is big and you're flying around the world and it's a pretty large carbon footprint that you're producing. And so you start trying to mitigate that negative impact of touring. You start greening in all the ways you can. You know, we start cutting the single-use plastic out of the shows, trying to uh, have local food, uh, both backstage and the vendors and bus- buses and trucks on biodiesel, all those things, which are all important to do. But I feel like those are kind of, those only felt like we were just trying to shrink the negative a little bit. Um, that's a double negative, isn't it? Shrinking the negative. But, you know, we're trying to... <laughs> Lessen that impact. That's like another double negative. <laughs> Mitigate the negative impacts. Only thing you can say, you know, then how could we expand on the positive? And to me, that was like once we started working with nonprofit groups in every town that we went with. You know, that way after you leave town, those groups they have new members from the the people who signed up at the shows. They have money from the shows that help to fund their groups. And so then it all made sense. Then the touring felt like this really fun kind of uh, fundraising tour that we got to do for all these great groups that we believed in. So what are you playing for us? Yeah, I mean, I take requests, but I can do um, <clears throat> this one. I was going to maybe do this one, Sunsets, for somebody else. Oh, fuck so, yeah. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> um, and by the way, I, ju- I just I, thank you so much for doing this. And yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate this it. This feels like such a privilege. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. This is fun. idea I know I've seen that vacant stare selling sunsets for somebody else you find yourself asking yourself what is any of it worth you find yourself looking up at night from the bottom of the earth Can this world not afford to sleep anymore? And oh, did your sheep stop jumping to grow out their teeth? They need a little something more than this. 
taste of trouble on your lips Cause now they're biting at your thoughts You tell yourself just to turn away But you know you've already lost The smell of rain when it's on the wind Can never be paid in full You try in vain to account for this mess And everything that you stole No, can this world not afford to sleep anymore And oh, did your sheep stop jumping To grow out their teeth They need a little something more this Cause now they're biting at your feet They got you running from this place And now they're breathing down your neck Your eyes look lonely in your face I see you looking just out of frame What is it pulling you there? Things can never stay the same So what is keeping you here? No, can this world not afford to sleep anymore? And oh, did your sheep stop jumping? They grow out their teeth They need a little something now Every time you think They'll be biting at your thoughts And every time you blink Well, you'll be sold and bought But you are more Than this I know I've seen your face somewhere I hit one wrong chord in there, but that's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you. So, that was fucking amazing. Oh, thanks. Man, you're too, you gotta stop saying amazing. I can't. I only know like four words. Yeah, you're sweet. Thank you. Let's take a five minute break and then we'll do calls. Thank you, Jack. Great, thank you. Hey, is it possible for Jack, would you ever give Anna a lesson, a surf lesson? Would you ever want to take a lesson from Jack? And would you ever have time to give her a lesson? Sure, if she, yeah, if she, yeah, of course. If she came to Oahu. Yeah. Would you give her a lesson? I'd give her a lesson, sure. You would? Yeah, I can't promise, like, you know, that I'm not, like, the best instructor or anything, but I, I used to be a surf instructor for kids when I was young, but... I, I am a child. Yeah? <laughs> there you go. Okay, then I got it. Thanks, Easy. Sim. <laughs> Jeez. See, I got you a lesson. I got you yeah, a free lesson. I, I feel like both parties were very reluctant. No, no, not reluctant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> All right. Should we get the calls? I'll, I'll get you like some pulled pork or something. Oh. Nice. <laughs> All right, we're going to call Jesse first. Jesse is a female. She's 27 and she is in Southern California. I'm not going to say the city. Does she know we're calling her? Yeah. Oh. This is like crank calls. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Jesse, it's Sim. How are you? Hey, Sim. Good. How about you? I'm doing really well. I'm going to introduce you to Anna right now. Hi, Jesse. It's Anna. Hi, Anna. Oh, my God. This is so crazy. 
Oh, I'm, I'm so, so excited glad. to talk to you. Oh, I'm so happy to talk to you too. I'm so glad that you submitted a question. We get to annoy you. And Anna's Thank gonna you. introduce our special guest to you. We have Jack Johnson here, and he's fucking amazing. She's like, who the hell's Oh my fucking god! Jack, hi! Hi, how are you? Whoa, my fiance. I'm good. My fiance is gonna be so jealous when I tell him he loves your music so much. All right, on. Make him jealous. That's the that's the way to do it. <laughs> I can't wait. As soon as I get off the call, that's what's happening. <laughs> that's cool. Jesse, you have some friendship concerns. Tell us what you mean by that. I, yeah. So um, the reason I wrote in is because um, I'm the type of person where throughout my whole life I've enjoyed having a lot of friendships. I've never really liked the loner life. Um, but recently, it's kind of been a rough year for me, and I realized that. Some of my friends um, weren't there for me in the way that they said that they would be. And, I mean, although it's disappointing, it wasn't really that traumatic because it actually made me feel stronger and love myself a lot more. But now I'm faced with the problem that I'm hesitant to pursue any new friendships basically because I don't really trust anyone anymore. And my question to you guys is, is that something that comes, you know, with maturity and growing up? Or am I just being too cynical at this point? (laughs) No, well, do you want to go first? You go first. Well, it reminded me of a it reminded me of a lyric by this guy Greg Brown, who's to me the best songwriter in the world. And he, um, I can't, I'm not going to remember the lyric exactly, but the sentiment in the song is like he he's it goes through his whole life of meeting this girl and falling in love. He remembers like the first time he saw her across his party, and then like getting your heart broken, you know those kind of feelings. And then at some point in life, just deciding that he wasn't going to. Well, he he still has this person. It sounds like you have your. Um, your fiance, do you say? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. so awesome. So you got, you only need one friend, really. And so anyways, like, in this song, it's kind of, it's all about, I want to plant a little garden with you. We'll take care of a piece of the earth somehow. We'll watch it when we're old and gray. And we'll, one day we'll straighten up and say, hey, baby, hey, baby, hey. And it's like, anyways, he in the song, there's one line where he talks about, uh, he's just going to try not to fall in, like, not to love anybody else anymore because he's realized that when you love somebody, you have to go through the heartbreak of losing people too, you know? So like, even if it's, yeah. through somebody passing or whatever so i'm not saying you should never make friends with anybody it's so funny i can't believe i'm giving like advice on relationships <laughs> what the hell uh but this is a funny place to find yourself but i love this song uh that he kind of says like at this point in my life i'm gonna try not to have any new relationships so i don't have to say goodbye to people i love and it's you know he's just gonna love this one person Jesse, um, wow. Okay, wait. So, are you? Some better advice. Are you? So hang on. Well, no, no, no. I, but I, I think that, like, not to sound too like gender specific, but I do believe that sometimes men and women feel friendship relationships a little bit, um, th- a little bit differently than other. You know, like, so for, uh, what I'm trying to get at through I as I stumble clearly, um, is that sometimes in my past, I have felt so in love with a female friend that, um, it felt like, like, like an unbelievably intimate relationship. And those are kind of the, the only relationships I know. So did somebody break your heart in like, uh, like a non romantic way, you know what I mean? Like a, in a friendship way. Yeah, I I would agree with you on that. It's just, you know, when you're going, I think we've all experienced where you're going through like the hardest time of your life, you know, thus far. 
And a lot of times we don't reach out to people because it's hard to reach out when you're feeling down. And that's when you're kind of looking for your friends to know you well enough to reach out and, and be that positive light that you need. And when they're not, you know, you have to pick yourself up off, you know, and get back on that horse. And that's what I did. But it just made me realize, like, you know, people who are always, you know, saying that we're best friends forever, you know, all that typical stuff, even though it's like, I understand it's not always going to be every second that I need them. I think we all know when people we love need us the most. So somebody kind of left you recently and kind of broke your heart a little bit. Like a, yeah, yeah, I would say it. Yeah, definitely. I'm sorry about that. And but that no, is okay. totally the case though. Like um I think that just is what happens through life and it fucking sucks. I've done that to people, mm-hmm. people have done that to me. Um and I, I uh I, I think it is just truly sort of, I guess, the time of growth. And I think you have to forgive them, let them do their mm-hmm, thing, and let them return to you because um, mm-hmm. they will. If you, if you give them a pass, they will return, you know? Um, and, and we have, you know, we have like, we've talked it out and things are fine. And, you know, I'm happy that they're back in my life and I know that they are too. But it's kind of affected my relationships going forward because I don't want to put that energy anymore if, you know, exactly what Jack said was perfect because it's just kind of like, you know, I'm really in love with this one person and I want to share my love. But at the same time, I don't want to waste it on people who might not deserve it. Yeah, but don't take my advice because the more I thought about it, I'm pretty sure Greg Brown didn't mean it and I didn't either that uh, you should just watch Game of Thrones and watch your, and lock yourself in your house with your husband and never have a new friend because that's super bad advice. So, this is a, no, I don't think it's that bad. I Honestly, I don't think it's that bad. I think that, that bad? It's great advice. No, boy, no, no. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I've been saying this a bunch. I have no more room for friends anymore. I mean, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Jack and Emmett as my new friends, <laughs> sure, but I don't, I really, I'm 40 years old. I don't have the time and the energy to put forth for a real friendship anymore. I, I can't. I just can't do it. He says two yeah. weeks before his bachelor party with like 20 of his buddies from 20 years that are all coming out to celebrate but That's him. different. I mean, those are my buddies for 20 years. You know, I don't have any new people coming. Unless, you know, Jack, do you want to come to a bachelor and party? It's I mean, like I might one stupid <laughs> fucking night. That's anemic. And <laughs> then he probably will never talk to those people again. <laughs> sort of. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. I'm not going to talk to them for a while. Most likely, like th- there's frivolous friends, and then and then there's intimate friends, and absolutely. Then there's like the, yeah, the the people that you, I don't know, that you really devote time to, that you really devote your emotion to, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I, but um, but this call has been kind of vague. Do you do you want to? I don't know. Like, is there well, any? I, mean, I think I think she really wants. You mean to, our answer has been vague? No, I think that Jesse's. Um, you calling her I, vague? I, yeah, a little bit, Jesse. I don't mean to. I don't Jesse, want. I, think, I don't want I, you to have to. I think you've been specifics. awesome. I think I know what Jesse needs. She really wants to know: Is it worth her effort to make new friends? Um, Jack, yeah. the answer is yes, right? It's worth her effort to make new friends. Do you think or no? I, mean, uh, I think they'll co- they'll I don't know. come I suck along at this. though, right? Like, well, wait, wait. So, are are you feeling lonely? Not really. That's kind of why I'm confused because normally I like being surrounded with people, but for the first time like in my life, I actually like just being on my own and just kind of enjoying time with myself. I don't know if it's safe that I'm then at. Then be alone. Yeah, then she should be alone until she gets bored. <laughs> yes. That, that is 
that is my comfort zone, Jesse. I, I <laughs> and I think Amy would agree with me. We're both kind of we're we're really <laughs> close friends, and but we're also like loners. Um, and I've always been the kind of person that's had like one or two girlfriends, um, and uh, and I I was always confused by that, and I don't want to be anymore. Um, so no, I think like enjoy like go to like I don't know a fucking art gallery, eat like some fucking yeah. sushi, like do your shit. Because as women too, I think that we put a lot of burden on ourselves to um, not indulge in any kind of solitude, and right, um, and I think that we should more because it's healthy and especially being I agree with you. The brilliant thank you. Jesse, I love you. <laughs> now you're my new best friend. Yeah, I don't need any more friends. I'm good. <laughs> hey Jesse Jesse, I hope we were able to help you today. I know. I I, I feel yeah. I don't know if we were, but um but uh but No, I you guys were great. I actually told my mom I was gonna be on this call and she was actually really excited you guys were gonna give me advice. She thought it was a great idea. Um, but I have to tell you, Anna, real quick, the coolest thing ever, my mom's name is Anna, spelled the same way, and her birthday is November 28th. No way! Day. I swear. Fuck yeah. <laughs> is that your birthday? November 29th is my oh. birthday. But um, but wait, mm-hmm. Jesse, uh, has your mom gotten like a ton of Annas her whole life? Oh my God, her forever, and... One of my one of my close friends, um, she would actually like literally yell at people who would call her Anna because her dad would do it all the time, and she'd be like, "It's Anna, not Anna. How dare you!" And I was just like, "Yeah, you tell him." <laughs> oh God, will you please give your mom like the biggest bear hug and tell her that I feel her pain? Hell yes, I want her <laughs> to listen so she can hear it out your mouth. <laughs> I love you, Anna. <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> Jesse, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. And you're gonna be fine. You'll be fine. Just yeah, keep just, doing your thing. Oh, but yeah, but listen, but embrace like like loneliness is okay. I I think it's like mm-hmm. sort of a time, but and also it's okay to have one or two really close friends, and um and there isn't any time to waste with people that don't make you feel good. That's true. Yeah, yeah That's just true. go listen to just go listen to Greg Brown's record further in. You'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Okay, that's what I'm going to do right now. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Words. All right, like it. Okay, bye. Bye, Jesse. I love you. Love you so much. Ah. <laughs> All right, let's get the last call lined up. That was so vague, though. No, why? Because why she vague? didn't offer any specifics. Well, Wait, she, we she didn't tell right us now? about, yeah. yeah we're this is how it works? She talked behind her back now? Yes. And she's like, still listening, guaranteed. <laughs> no, 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 but no, no, no. It, it was more that it was like, I felt like I didn't do a good job. Yeah. You gave her awesome advice. You told her what exactly what she needed to hear at the, at the moment. At, she's fine for now. You just want to get through the night so you can get laid. <laughs> Sorry, Amy. Putting pressure on me. Putting pressure on who? Me. On Amy? Yeah, to... Pressure on me too. All right, oh, that's that's oh, true. It's not pressure. Oh, no sorry. pressure on me. Yes. Alright, oh. All right, we're gonna call Christina. I'm sorry. You might have to fuck like the hottest woman in Hollywood. <laughs> She's not in Hollywood. I'm sorry. You have to fuck the hottest woman in Los Angeles, Southern California. Is not in service. Please check the number and try.
It seems to me you guys are missing a really great opportunity to crank call people. <laughs> we, yeah, we should. If this person is it doesn't prank or crank? Up. What do you say? How many more people are we calling? One. One. Oh, I was going to say each of us could take a turn, like seeing who could <laughs> prank somebody better. If you want to prank someone, I like you can do that. This one. Sorry? Wait, hang on. After, after this call, after this call, we could, we could prank someone. Wait. Oh, hi. Hi. Christina? Hi. Hey, it's Sim. How are you? I'm doing really well. Christina, by the way, she's in New York and she's in college. So, uh, Christina, tell us. Oh, for, oh, first of all. Hi, Christina. It's Anna. I want you to meet Anna. Oh, and, my God. Hi. And Anna, you have to introduce our guest. Hi, and we have Jack Johnson here, and he's so fucking amazing. Hi, Jack. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Really good. Thanks. So, Christina, tell us about this guy in your life. Okay. So, basically, I've been in a really confusing on-again, off-again relationship with my best friend. Um, we met freshman year, and we became really, really close and spent, like, all our time together. And even in our off phases, we would be, like, still really close, just not with the hooking up aspect. Um, we got to really know each other's families or in the same friend group, all that stuff. And then this summer, he came to visit me, and then I came to visit him, we both introduced each other to our really close friends, showed each other around our hometown, like acted really, really like a couple. So once we got back to school, I thought he was going to make it official. But then we got back to school and about a week ago, we had a conversation where he basically told me he's scared he's going to hurt me again and he doesn't think he's really ready for a relationship. So I haven't spoken to him in about a week, like very very limited contact. I kind of like avoid seeing him because I'm like really, really upset about it. But he keeps telling all of our mutual friends that it's a break. So I'm not really sure if I should wait for him or if I should force myself to move on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're screwed. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. That was horrible. This is the first time I've ever done this kind of thing. I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. I'm so sorry. Totally fine. So many people have that opinion. That was I just, just the joke. It's so you, jumbled. This is the first time I've done one of these, and so I'm sorry. But the um, it actually sounds, we were talking earlier, the best friend thing is important, but it makes it really hard, I'm sure, um, Yeah. if it's not yeah. working out. But I mean, it has to be based around friendship, and so... I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna pass it to people who know what they're doing, but I hope it works out for you. I'm so sorry I well, said you that. You don't know what you the know, fuck you don't we're know. doing. We're unqualified. Yeah. That's the name of the show. What the fuck? Uh. You're way more qualified. <laughs> yeah. Than and you're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen to Greg Brown's album further in. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I don't know. That's where hey, I get most of my stuff. Christina, here is the worst fucking news. Uh, uh-huh. I feel like if... I, I, so here's the thing. It seems to me like you like him a, like a little bit more than he likes you. Oh, I'm sure she's... In, you're in yeah. love with him. You, oh, no. I'm totally aware of that. Um. So here's the problem. You got to play hard to get. Yeah. Really? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Ja- yeah. Jack's got. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. See, you think like a dude. You're yeah. a dude. That's exactly what she needs to hear. <laughs> yeah. So here, but here's the problem. It's going to require a ton of patience on your See, end. See, that's the thing. Is like I'm such a naturally impatient person. So even this week, I've been like, oh my god. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. that that will be the problem. So if you want yeah. to play the long game, here's what you have to mm-hmm. do. You cannot text him, call him, check on like whatever social media shit. Like you have mm-hmm. if if you really like him, you have to like you have to like put yourself on some serious fucking restriction. Anna's absolutely That's right. That's what I've been thinking. She's, uh, she's 100% right. If you really, I mean, I'm not even sure you should be with this guy, but if you really want this guy, I think that you just need to be radio silent and let him wonder where the hell you are. He loves the fact that you're, he, he knows that you're in love with him. Yeah. Don't give him that. Don't give him that at all. Right. Let him work for it. Yeah. And if he doesn't, and if he doesn't come back, move on. In fact, you should start swiping. Meet some other dudes. Yeah. You're I in agree. college. I totally agree. Like the, cause the other option is, is that you put yourself out there you let him know how much you want him. You make yourself pretty vulnerable. He, whatever, you guys, like, hook up and blah, blah, blah. And uh, then you end up feeling shitty about yourself. And um, and I don't want that to happen. He's going to continue to do this to you if he knows he has you locked up around his fingers. He's going to continue to hook up with you. And I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I'm Why sure the he really. Why do you think that? Because it doesn't necessarily. I'm well, sure he really is a nice she, guy, but doesn't if she mean... likes him? He must be yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But I'm not getting mean... into this now. I'm so sorry. And I feel so bad. I say you're screwed because like I'm realizing this is a real. These are real emotions, and you know, it's it's. I gotta explain because it's my first time. Like you're sitting in this room, and we're like talking about things. So it's I'm, it's weird when all of a sudden you're like giving somebody advice that you ha- can't see. You don't know. So I, yeah, yeah. I apologize. I, I know it's a real thing for you. And, no, uh, no, no, but these are things that we all go through, though. That's the beauty of you're not this you're whole not screwed because you sound like a great person. Christina, You'll be this good is way. something that I like. All of us have gone through. I've I feel like I went through this eighty times. I feel like, and hopefully, I get like eighty more times of going through this sort of what I don't know. Yeah, but my only issue with the um like very limited contact thing is that we are in the very same like friend group so it's very hard to like avoid each other just because we do have all the same friends so and then I kind of feel like like they have to split our time between one another and that makes me feel horrible dude Christina you have you gotta play hardball with it you have to like you have to put on like poker game yes like seriously hey next time you're hanging out with uh, with your friend group you know what bring a dude yeah yep or introduce and be nice be nice to him be like you know what hey agree? whatever his name what, oh, it, uh, you know bring a dude yeah, wait, just bring nina, a dude introduce nina him has a good nina has a good perspective oh, wait, oh, wait, wait, nina's in college yeah. nina's in college yeah. nina what do you nina here. what do you think hi yeah so i'm 20 and um i went through this 
exact same thing. And the truth oh. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's the worst, and he's your best friend, and all your your families think you're together, and it's very confusing, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is, is like you gotta just find somebody else, because like that's what happened to me. Is like I finally got over it, and I started dating somebody else, and it just like when you get treated the way you're supposed to be treated everything else starts to make sense for the first time. Like I thought I was in love, but it's really just an imbalance of power. It's lust. It's not something concrete. It's a friendship maybe, but this guy does not prioritize you. And it doesn't sound like he's really prioritizing you as a friend either. He's also, are you a freshman or a sophomore? I'm a sophomore this year. We met freshman year. Yeah. Like you're also very like, I mean, I'm not like that ahead of you in the process. I'm a senior, but like your perspective will change when you're a senior versus sophomore. And I'm sure it'll also change obviously when you're like older or whatever. Um, but in looking back on it, but it's just, it, I, you're, you're not in love. Like it's just an imbalance of power and being treated poorly. And when you're treated with love and with respect and in a way that is actually affectionate, it's just like, it's mind blowing. It really is. You guys give her the microphone Dude, all the time. Wow. Fuck. Nina. 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 Seriously. This is, oh, it's like a new deal. Whenever a college student calls, you just give her <laughs> yeah, the mic. Exactly. That's what you guys got to figure out. <laughs> nice yeah, job, you're Nina. You're so fucking right, though. You're yeah. so fucking right. that it, It's it literally means, heartbreak. It means the world to be treated with um, a lot of value. Yeah. And it makes you value yourself. And then you become like more successful in life. You feel... Like a whole different elation. It, you're completely right, Nina, that it changes your perspective on everything. It's amazing to me that Nina realizes now while she's in college, it's yeah. that's incredibly mature for you to make a statement no, like dude, that. No, dude, haven't we always talked about how Nina's an old soul? I, all I know is that I just know that in co- when I was in college, if I showed interest you're and I treated a girl nicely, she would not like me, you know? She'd be like, you're too into me. I don't want to be treated like this. Yeah, because they weren't old souls. Nina is right. an old soul. Can I just say that Nina and I met when she was nine years old? She was even an old soul. She just showed me a picture. Her and I met one time at an airport when we were, when she was, were you nine? Yeah, I was like nine years old. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay if I brought that up. Yeah, I don't care. My whole family was there and they were like, that's Jack Johnson. Go talk to him. I was like, I love that. <laughs> um, hey, Christina, there's a big, big world ahead of you. And there's like there's no time to waste be with people that really fucking value you yes you know okay that's really good you know what i mean like like uh, and it's it's easy it's an easy thing to say it's a hard thing to do but attempt to absorb it because um because you know truly like time it's precious and um and, you know, be with people who really fucking make you feel like you can rule the world. Christina, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. I love you, Christina. We love you. Love thank you. Too, and you know what? You're like, like this call, you're going through something that so many people, all of us have gone through. And uh, this, I, I like to think that maybe people will absorb some of this. I wish that I had when I was younger, but, um, but you know, we live and learn, but anyway, you fucking own it. Be with somebody who fucking worships you, goes down on you every night. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Christina. Bye. 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 What did I get get myself into here? Sorry. (laughs) Um, Jack, that was amazing. So before, yeah. Oh, what happened? I was, what did you say? Wait, wait, you were going to say something. 
What were you oh, going to say? Yeah, what were you say? No, come on. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go. Oh, they said, Jack, that was amazing. These guys, just they went off. They just did it. You were great, too, though. Oh, come on. Yeah. I just keep telling people to listen to Greg Brown. That's no good. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Jack, before we let you go, can you play one more song for us, please? Sure. Would yeah, that be okay? Yeah, Thank sure. you so much. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, you guys. I'm so... This has been such a fucking awesome podcast, I think, from on my end. Yeah, me too. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Jack Johnson. There's no combination of words I could put on the back of a postcard. No song that I could sing, but I can try for your heart. And our dreams, and they are made out of real things Like a shoebox of photographs with sepia tone loving And love is the answer at least for most of the questions in my heart Like why are we here and where do we go and how come it's so hard It's not always easy and sometimes life can be deceiving I tell you one thing, it's so much better when we're together Better when we're together. Well, we'll look at them stars when we're together. Mmm, so much better when we're together. Yeah, so much better when we're together. And all of these moments just might find their way into my dreams tonight. But I know that they'll be gone If the morning light sings Or brings new things For tomorrow night you see That they'll be gone too Too many things I gotta do But if all of these dreams Might find their way into my day-to-day scene I'd be under the impression I was somewhere in between With only two, just me and you Not so many things we gotta do or places we got to be will sit beneath the mango tree now Well, it's so much better when we're together Yeah, we're somewhere in between together Mmm, so much better when we're together Yeah, so much better when we're together I believe in memories They look so So pretty when I sleep Ain't I when And when I wake up You look so pretty Sleeping next to me But there is There's not enough time And there is no No song I could sing And there is no combination of words I could say but I will still tell you one thing we're better together we're so much better when we're together Oh, thank you, Jack, oh, so welcome. much. Thank you. thank you so much. Jack, thank you so what much. That was amazing. What a joy. Of
I, thank you, I, I, Truly. Thanks thank for having you. me on. Oh, thank you for being here. This is a real treat. Yeah. Oh, likewise. And the album is called? Oh, All the Light Above It, too. And it's available everywhere right now. Go buy it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, fuck yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh.